Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. In 2009, Sarah Carlson was anchoring the news for WISC-TV in Madison, Wisconsin, when she had an epileptic seizure live on the air. The video went viral, and Sarah is now using her platform to spread awareness of epilepsy. Thank you for joining me. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Anything to spread the word. Sarah, can you start by telling us about your treatment journey? Oh, gosh. My treatment journey feels like about half of my life, and it's about a third, I'd say. I was diagnosed, as you mentioned, gosh, is that 13 years ago, and it took doctors 12 years to find something that would help me. Medication doesn't always work, so about 1 in 26 people will be diagnosed with epilepsy in their lifetime, Um, a very surprisingly large number, 3 million people in this country have it. And unfortunately, about a third or more of those diagnosed with epilepsy cannot find a medication that works for them. And it isn't because their doctor isn't trying hard enough. It's because there isn't one that exists. Very, very difficult. So my treatment journey was starting with when my seizures were more minor. I still took medication and anchored the news. In fact, I was able to read a teleprompter. I was able to drive my car take care of my kids, you name it, run. I used to do distance running. And then my seizures actually worsened to the point where I wasn't able to drive, Uh, even though we were working harder and harder on medication, trying new ones, increasing those doses, you name it. Took my life away and my career away, frankly. How were you diagnosed and how is someone diagnosed with epilepsy? That's a really good question. It started out when I was anchoring and I would just feel funny. Now, I was anchoring an early morning show, so those who have ever had a shift that begins at 2 or 3 a.m. are probably laughing a bit because Mm -hmm. you do feel funny. (laughs) And so it was minor enough at the time that it took doctors a couple of months to figure out what the heck it was. We thought hypoglycemia, something just with low blood sugar, who knew? Finally, they did an EEG and found out that I had a simple partial seizure. And so when you hear simple and partial, that's why you know I was able to continue anchoring the news. I, a couple of years later, they found out that it was a small brain tumor. I say that lightly, but it was pretty serious. They found a small brain tumor in my left temporal lobe, and I went on a short leave, and they were able to remove it. I'm really lucky to be here, lucky to be alive. It was benign. But unfortunately, where that tumor was in my left temporal lobe, there is now scar tissue, a mass of sorts. There's no risk there. We did a lot of scans to make sure it didn't come back. But it didn't stop my seizure. So people who hear me say, oh, we found the the answer. Unfortunately, it was only two years in and we found that and it saved my life. But it certainly didn't save me from, from epilepsy. Those seizures, as my doctor likes to joke with me at least, 
they worsened over time and I developed partial complex seizures. The word complex means that I started losing consciousness. So when people Google my name and see me speaking gibberish, frankly, on TV, Sarah Carlson, that was when they became complex. I do not remember that episode, so to speak, and I was no longer able to drive and work became more complicated. And that's when I stopped working in TV news. How did this diagnosis affect your life and career plans? I mean, obviously, it had a pretty significant impact. Yeah. You know, when it was first when I was first diagnosed and I mentioned it was more minor, I think I was a bit naive to how serious it could be. And frankly, to the family and the world of, of epilepsy out there. So I became a huge advocate, joined every nonprofit, the Epilepsy Foundation. You can go to epilepsy.com to learn a lot. There is a lot of support out there. But then I learned about the stigma because my my, my seizures worsened. And uh, when my doctor suggested that I get a job outside of news because perhaps it was too stressful in those hours, whether they be early or late, were too much for me, I couldn't find a job. And I knew darn well that no one could legally say, oh, well, we're not going to hire that Sarah Carlson in town here because she might be a risk, uh, you know, someone who might have a seizure in front of a client or whatever I might be doing. But I do think that that was something in the back of people's minds. So it took a long time for me to kind of stomach that, first of all, losing my career that I'd worked so hard for. I'd been an anchor for 14 years, started raising my family in Madison, Wisconsin, and my kids at the time were one and three when I was diagnosed. Several years later, there I was at times on unemployment and at times trying other jobs that just weren't working out well for me because I couldn't drive. So I finally found a doctor who talked me into going on disability. I always felt, you know, I'm not disabled. (laughs) I don't have a disability, but really I did. And I had something that was disabling me from living my life, not just as uh, somebody with a career, but as a parent, being able to drive my kids around. Uh, Luckily, I had family and friends to support me, to help me, but it felt like I missed out on a lot. My doctor and I worked really hard. We increased medication. I slept all day because I was on disability. Luckily, I had that support, and frankly, that isn't the easiest thing to get. And finally, we did find medication that worked for me. I often tell people to go to empoweryourfight.com because I fought 12 years. It's now been 14. I start to lose track of those numbers, so my apologies Mm -hmm. if that is not correct, but going to epilepsy.com and empoweryourfight.com will be a huge help to anybody wondering, okay, what the heck am I going to do? And again, there is a percentage of epilepsy patients out there who have a neurologist or an epileptologist who's able to find the first or second one, and they're off on their way. And God bless them. <laughs> but there's a huge population out there who have looking at no freedom in life is kind of the way I look at it. What does a seizure feel like? That's a really good question. The ones that I could feel because I was still conscious simply made me a little confused and nauseous. But the seizures where I was losing consciousness, which was frankly most of them as far as time is concerned, I never felt the actual seizure. But my doctors explained and many have explained scientifically that the seizures themselves were probably only 30 to 60 seconds long. What I would feel coming out of one is severe confusion and often anger, unintentional anger, because my brain was still coming to, so to speak, as if someone was just waking up. Mostly confusion because I wouldn't remember where I was, what day it was, whether my children were supposed to be with me or not, or they'd be at school. I would often have to warn a friend or family member who wasn't familiar with my stage of seizure, hey, look, if I sit down out of nowhere, 
just please don't make a big deal about it or call out for 911. Encourage me to stand up or grab my arms and help me stand up. So I was sitting down, but not falling over, if that makes any sense. Odd things would happen to me. And coming out of them, I felt confused. I felt angry and slightly embarrassed. So I had to learn, even though I was feeling a bit awkward and out of it and confused, I had to learn not to be embarrassed because that's part of the problem with epilepsy is the stigma. People with epilepsy that cannot be controlled feel embarrassed by it. They're afraid to tell their colleagues. They're afraid to tell their friends. And in schools, a young child can be afraid to talk about it with their classmates or teacher because they don't want to admit that something's going to happen. So I tried to not use the word embarrassed. I try to use the word confused as to how I felt and then really empowered. After I, even when I was still having seizures, all I could do, all I had control over was telling my story. And now that I don't have seizures, I'm an even bigger advocate for those who do. I feel like they're family. I hope people will reach out to me and look for resources and talk about it as much as possible. You recently participated in Epilepsy Awareness Day at Disneyland. Tell us about that event and what it means for you and the epilepsy community. You just brought a smile to my face <laughs> because that's actually <laughs> my favorite. It's my favorite thing to do. I was there with my doctor, Dr. Smith from Chicago, and telling our story together. We've done it a couple of times because we want both patients and doctors to hear more about how zero seizures, as we call it, freedom, not just fewer, is really the goal. For many, many years, and he's been around this a lot longer, the goal for epileptologists and neurologists was just to have fewer, get your patient down to as few as you could. But really, imagine if I was still having one a month, I still wouldn't be driving and I wouldn't be able to be back in the workforce and I wouldn't be smiling when you asked me that question. So I love being mm. able to go anywhere and talk about my journey. What would you say to someone newly diagnosed with epilepsy? I would say don't give up hope. Don't give up the fight. Ask a lot of questions and keep asking questions. And if you don't you know, get answers from the people that you're around, look elsewhere. Look to another doctor, to another hospital, epilepsy.com and empoweryourfight.com. These are places that I know there are some answers. And what should someone do if they see someone having a seizure? That's a really good question as well. If they know the person and they're minor seizures like mine, be sure to do what they've asked them to do. Try not to panic. Stay calm. If someone has a grand mal seizure, they're also now called tonic-clonic seizures. Make sure that the person is on their side safely so that they're not going to hurt themselves or anyone else or bump their head. And again, they usually don't last very long. It can feel like a really, really long time when you see someone convulsing that way because I have had about a half dozen of those myself um, just because I was in between meds. Try to just stay calm and not draw a crowd and keep that person as safe as possible in the position that they're in. I've been speaking with Sarah Carlson, who had an epileptic seizure while anchoring the news in 2009. Anything else you want us to know? I just want epilepsy to be something that people know more about. And so those who may have heard this story and found it interesting, talk about it tonight at dinner. Bring it up to your uh, school if you have young children, because I know a lot of communities have organizations that will come in and teach a classroom or teach a group of classrooms how to respond if they have a child that goes there with epilepsy. But talk about it more and give to the cause where you can. Thank you so much for talking with us today. And thank you for being an advocate for people with epilepsy.
Thank you for taking the time. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.